16 will be up on the screen. We're going to look at verses 7 and 13. Jesus said, it's actually best for you that I go away because if I don't, the helper won't come to you. But if, you, if I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will, what? Guide you into all truth, all truth. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So how is the Holy Spirit better than having Jesus actually here? That's what a new believer or what a youth will ask. Like, okay, tell me how this works, Marshall. Well, it's not limited to location. Jesus in his bodily form, yes, we could have like, oh yeah, Jesus' example's over there and maybe he's in Chicago or that, but we are so blessed that when he said, I'm sending somebody to you, that each one of us has that Holy Spirit. We have Christ's presence. We have, we have the whole package in there. And that's why it was so important when Jesus was able to say that. Matter of fact, when we go to explain it, it it's not limited to, a, uh, to just a location. Sometimes people get in this argument of, especially if you're in the King James, what's the difference between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit? Because it's sometimes mixed up in the Bible. Newer versions, they translate it mostly as the Holy Spirit. But if you look back to 1611, the original King James Version, they had two teams that were translating the Bible. One translated as the Holy Ghost, one translated as the Holy Spirit. So if you see people trying to make different things up with that, be cautious. Because the Greek word was called pneuma, which meant pneumatic, which which where some of our terms today comes from, which basically meant the Holy Spirit was the breath, the air of God. So we go on back now to John 14 and 16 and 17. Jesus said this. The Father will give you another helper who will be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it does not see or know him. But you know him because he lives with you and you will be in you. Now, that reminds us in Romans 8, uh, 14, it says that we are led by the Spirit when we are called children of God. Of course, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ to be able to have that Spirit. But what I want to talk to you about is when we are talking about the future of this church or the future of your lives or when you're trying, how do I really tap into that? What are the ways that the Holy Spirit really helps me out and guides me in every day? How does that counsel happen to me through the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, if I listen to the Holy Spirit, I will know what I need to know. You will know what you need to know. The truth, the insights, when it talks to the best part, at the very moment you need it. I don't know if you guys have ever had this, when you've read a verse one day, and suddenly you're in a situation and a verse pops out. Or you've read a book or an article or something, in there and suddenly you're able to apply it. Or you've been singing a song, and suddenly somewhere you get to be able to do that. It is an amazing thing. I remember one time I was reading this book, and I was reading the scripture that was really convicting. And I had this couple come in for counseling. And they were so angry and so bitter at each other. And it was just, and I'm going like, because any time before I go to counseling with somebody, I pray like, Holy Spirit, this has got to be you because I'm just your tool. 
And I had been reading something in the scripture that day, and I'm going like, man, I do not know how to calm this situation down. And suddenly that scripture came to mind, and I just read the scripture, and I saw them both repent right there and ask forgiveness. Now, I don't think that was by accident. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. All truth. When the Holy Spirit tells you what you need to know, it's called revelation. It's called revelation. You look at Luke 2, 26. It has been revealed to Simon by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember, Simon was, uh, during Christ's time, the birth of Christ, he was the spiritual leader. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was a righteous man. He wasn't your normal uh, Pharisee. He was a man that pursued God and did this. And his one thing, he heard this Holy Spirit nudge that is revealed that you will see the Messiah. It was revealed to him in that regard. But then also, then the Holy Spirit says, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will get you where you need to go. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, your doors will open with opportunity. So let's go back to Simeon. Simeon, in Luke 2.27, it says, he was led to go to the temple. It actually says that Simeon was pushed to the temple. And when he arrived there, there was Mary and Joseph with the baby Jesus. The Holy Spirit nudged here, he got pushed over to here, and he got to dedicate the baby Jesus because he listened to the spirit of truth. I don't know about you, that's the counsel that I would sure like to have. The Bible is full of nudgings, just like what you felt today. In Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip to go catch a ride with the chariot. I love this Bible story. Here's this Ethiopian leader. He was of royalty. It says that he handled the, the riches, and poor Philip was pushed into the desert. He was told, you know, I want you, and he's walking down this dirty road, and he's going over here, and suddenly the Holy Spirit tells him, I need you to go over to that chariot guy. Now, if you had a chariot, you were of wealth. You were of prominence, and this guy was from Ethiopia. So Philip heads on over there, and what is this chariot guy doing? He's reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip walks up to him and says, well, what's going on? He says, I'm reading this book, but I don't understand it, and I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. So because he took the Holy Spirit's nudging, he said, I can help you with that. And he heard the man reading out loud, and he interprets it, and he tells him about Jesus Christ and the salvation and how that was proclaimed. And that Ethiopian man right there gave him a chariot ride because he came to know Christ. And he's going along that chariot ride, and he sees a pool of water, and he goes like, hey, I want to be baptized. Let's pull that chariot over, and he baptizes him right there. That was the beginning of salvation being spread through Africa because of a Holy Spirit nudge. Hmm. Now, have you ever felt the slightest nudge from the Holy Spirit to do something like that? Because if you listen to him, if you listen to him, he will help you say the right things. Or he'll keep your mouth shut if it needs to be. Mark 12, 36, that the Holy Spirit led David to say. The Holy Spirit used you many times without you probably even knowing it. He puts an idea in your mind. Sometimes in advance he will prepare you. I, I don't know about sometimes when you give messages or share a Bible study or doing things like that, that um, people come up to you and say, wow, I just needed to hear that today. Or a prayer. Seems like you were speaking to me. 
Or sometimes if you're, it was interesting because when your elders called me and wanted to interview me and, and Skype on the phone and do those things, I go like, man, do I rehearse for this? Or do I just, Lord, Holy Spirit, just let me be me. Sometimes just asking him. I love it. I had a kid one time talk about this. Sometimes out of children, you hear the greatest things. This kid said, Marshall, sometimes I think we just ask the Lord with a bullet prayer, a really short bullet prayer. So sometimes when I walk into an elder meeting or, or some sort of confrontation or something, I'm going, I remember that kid. I'm just going to give a bullet prayer. It's like, Holy Spirit, help me to speak through you. It's just so important to be able to do that when we are doing our future, when we're figuring out our plans on where we depend on. Because I will tell you, the church today sometimes depends on corporations more than it does Holy Spirit. Matthew 10, 19 through 20 says, Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Boy, does that take a relief off me. At the time, it will be given to you what to say, for it will not be you speaking but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. And I'm just going to pray that bullet prayer. Lord, as I'm sitting here with this couple, giving them premarital counseling for the next months and figuring out who they are, Lord, give me what to say to them. Help me to equip them for the long range where their marriage honors you, where they understand what the value and, and that their purpose in their marriage is to glorify you. If we're really listening to the Spirit... Sometimes uh, he'll, he'll teach us to wait for his timing. Timing is everything in our life. Wrong time can lead to a fail, that's for sure. And one example I had was um, at a church that I was serving, we had this gorgeous church in the middle of a 600-acre reserve. Gorgeous. On the far end of town. Nobody knew it. Well, all the stuff in town where all the challenges and the addictions and the things are, are there was in town. And we're going like, how do we drag everybody out of the town? And I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit started putting something on, let's buy something near the high school. Let's try to get as close to the high school in town as we can. I don't know if you know that. That's the number one strategy the Mormon church does. They want to build their church across from every high school. I'm going, I'll steal that from them. So I started praying about that, and I'm going like, Lord, I, and I started talking with the elders, and I started like, yeah, I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't. And then I started going around and touring property and real estate and getting all these real estate people excited, and, and, and I was sort of outrunning Jesus. I wasn't waiting for his timing. Meanwhile, the, some things were happening in our youth group and our young adults, and things were going on uh, on this part, and then suddenly... One day, I'd like given up. I'm going like, Lord, there's just no way we can afford this. Then I have, I don't know if you guys have heard, Youth for Christ. Youth for Christ had a facility within 100 yards of, our of the high school. And they came to us and said, you know what, we can't afford it anymore. Um, we would like to see this because we see the impact that you have on young people. I'm going like, whoa. And I said, but all I can do, because it was a really expensive piece of property, that everybody wanted. All I can do is what I can raise on a Sunday. So I went to the church and we prayed and we, just like what we did here and asked, and the most we raised was $16,000. This property was sat on five acres. It had a large dormitory, kitchen, everything right by the high school. And we 
went back to them, said, sorry, all we have is 16,000. They said, if you keep this and you impact this community, it's yours. Within a year, we had an after-school uh, program to help kids in need. We had a Friday night uh, program. We had Celebrate Recovery. We had a full-time counselor reside it. All of those pieces just flowed together because of a Holy Spirit nudge and Marshall learning <laughs> to wait for him. It's so important as we look at our future because I don't know about you, sometimes I think I can outpace the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.5 5 says, we are led by the Spirit to wait, to wait in the confident hope of righteous through faith. So I'd ask you today, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? What, do you, what is the Holy Spirit nudging on? What are you talking to the Holy Spirit about while you wait? If we listen to the Holy Spirit, and we're really stretching on there, the other part that happens is we can resist things that we normally cannot resist. It was interesting. Yesterday I went to a program called Kairos, which is prison's ministry. And they had this young man who had been in the gang life since the age of eight, heavily addicted to drugs, in and out of jail. Um, God got a hold of him. But in this, he gave full credit to his recovery to one thing and one thing only, and it was found in this verse. Galatians 5, 17 through 18. The desires of self-indulgence are always in opposition with to the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are in opposition with our self-indulgence, which keep preventing us from doing the things we want to do. But when we are led by the Spirit, you are not in bondage to the law. This is such a truth. The power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than the power of your will or your addiction. I'm a big believer, a big believer in Celebrate Recovery because I've seen so many people equipped through understanding how they can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to help with their addiction problems. And let me tell you, this world is not getting easier with that. And man, I have such a heart to be able to help people in that. Galatians 5.16, if you are guided by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the selfish desires of your sinful nature. It is, it breaks my heart. No matter what it, what it is, I, I just heard uh, yesterday, it breaks my heart, a, a spiritual leader in a community and uh, and everybody looked up, I mean, hundreds and hundreds, and he was caught publicly having an affair with somebody else. And I just saw the breakage of this thing, and I'm going, man, if only, and I, I'm going to reach out to that man because I know he needs to know the power of the Holy Spirit. The other part, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, it helps us to avoid dangers and mistakes. The Holy Spirit's job is to protect us, to shelter us, to lead us. And one of the ways he does that is to warn you. But you've got to listen. You've got to listen. And the best way to listen, I've learned, is more, more often when I'm relaxed. I had this young man that came to my church that was a Satanist. And Christ grabbed a hold of him. He had tattoos of satanic things all over his face. I mean, he was one scary dude. 
and uh, he was doing well. He w- wrestled with crystal meth and different things like that. But man, Christ got a hold of this guy. And then one night I get a call uh, from his wife saying, can you come over right now? He has a gun. There's a baby in the house. And I'm going like, yeah, I'll be over. And I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. So I told my wife where I'm going. Of course, I put my wife in chaos. So I rush over to the house. I brought in. Here's this man with a gun loaded and cocked on his table. And his wife next to him. The baby's upstairs. And, and I'm going like, what in the world? I should have just called the police. But Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Give me something to say. Give me something to and I just told him a simple Bible study or a simple Bible story to calm his heart. And somehow I took the gun and got it away from him. But when I went home, I got a shellacking. <laughs> Made the gun incident look real. My wife, I, it <laughs> tore her up. So I'm telling you, if the Lord wants to protect us, and I think he was telling me, Marshall, be smart on this one, but I wasn't so smart. Psalm 16, 7 says, I praise you, Lord, because he guides me. And in the night, my conscience warns me. Letting the Holy Spirit warn you will sure save you from a lot of pain. Acts 21, 4 says, the Holy Spirit warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem. If you remember, there was a conspiracy to take him out at that point. The Holy Spirit will do that. It'll warn us as a church. It'll warn us as individuals. So Marshall, and this is with the kids, how do the Holy Spirit really guide us? How does that all work? How does that happen in our life? Well, there's all kinds of ways. He can do it through, since he's the spirit of truth, he can do it through wise counsel, through visions, through dreams, through circumstances, through miracles, all of those things. But what I want to do is go over with you the most three common things that the way the Holy Spirit uh, can guide you and help you and counsel you in those steps. Number one, by revealing the meaning of what he said. Since the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, the primary tool in this is our Bible, is God's word. God's will is found in God's word. Stop looking for a vision at times and start looking at a verse. Sign versus scripture. Scripture, scripture, scripture. However, sometimes we don't understand how a verse applies to us. Sometimes we get confused by it. And I love how 1 Corinthians 2.14 reminds us, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Holy Spirit. They are foolish to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I know about you, as I grew in my faith and as I grew spiritually, my connection to the Holy Spirit grows more as you spend more time in the Word, as you do that stuff. Because I look back when I was early in my faith, I'm going like, man, I didn't hear anything. And and so when I'm walking and discipling new Christians, I try to tell them, like, the longer you walk, the longer you focus on the Word, the more you'll start hearing from the Holy Spirit, those spiritual nudges and those things that will be able to happen to you. God knew he assigned us an interpreter. The helper will come, according to John 15, 26. The spirit will reveal the truth. I love it. With this book, with this book, 
You don't only get a book, but you get the live commentary from the true author. It also happens by reminding us of what he said. One of the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of the truth that you've already learned, what you've already hidden in the heart, what he's put on the end of your lips. John 14, 26, the helper will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. Wow. He will help my memory. Boy, and I need that these days. He helps me to be able to do that. Helps me to keep my mouth and my temper under control. He reminds me of some of the things that can trip me up. So how did the disciples do that? Because they didn't have a, uh, a phone or anything to write all this down. 2 Peter 1.20 says, You know that nothing in Scripture was uh, just thought up by the prophets themselves. It was the Holy Spirit that directed and reminded them of these true words. So to get this, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reminds me what I've already heard and read. This is absolute critical why we memorize the scripture. Even if it's a little scripture, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will use it. The other part, he gives us the nudges in the confirmation. Sometimes these come as mental impressions or an internal witness. At first, you don't recognize them but as you walk deeper and deeper and closer to the Lord, you will feel those nudges, especially if you're in the Word. Romans 8.16 says, God's spirits uh, touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. You always got to act on God's impressions. When He gives you a good impression, it strengthens your muscle. So one thing I did one time, I tried to teach, because when you're teaching youth, to like, I need you to depend on Holy Spirit nudges. How do you teach youth to do that? Now, you're going to think I'm crazy. I took them to Walmart. Took them to Walmart. I broke them up in groups of four. I had adult sponsors had to stay far away. And what we did is in the van, we prayed for a half an hour that the Lord would reveal nudges to them. Nudges that they could walk into Walmart and God would reveal somebody that would tell them that they could go pray for them and bless them. So I gave each kid $20, and I said, you pray, and you see what God reveals. Nutty, huh? Sending a bunch of kids into Walmart to see if the Holy Spirit works with them. And I'm going like, I know I'm going to lose my job over this one probably. So they go in. As they come out, they're running out so excited. They're, they're in the van, and they're chitter-chattering. And, and this one group says, we saw this man in line, and we just felt like the Lord was telling us. He just, I, we could tell that his spirit was was heavy laden. We went up to him and he, we said, hey, we're just a group. We just want to know how you're doing and how we could pray for you. That's guts. He said, I just lost my dog today. The kids right there in the Walmart line prayed for him and then blessed him and bought whatever he was buying in line. Another group, the last group to come out, and we waited and we waited and we waited. Absent, maybe they're in jail. I don't know. The last group comes out and they're so excited they said, you know what, we just had this most amazing Holy Spirit experience in the vegetable department. I'm going, well, that's a first. <laughs> they said this couple walked in. He was in a wheelchair. They had a little kid with them, and they were pushing through, them, and they were looking at their fresh vegetables. We went up to them, and we felt that that's God who was wanting to talk to them. So we went up and said, we want to bless you, and we want to pray for you. And they said the wife began to bawl. She said, my husband is a youth pastor. 
and he just had a tragic accident and surgery, and we're not sure if he's ever going to be able to minister again. And we were short on money to go to Walmart. You want to talk about a Holy Spirit nudge? Those kids will never forget that. That's what we got to be able to explain and understand to help young people with their future or new people to be able to disciple. But I want you to get that. I want you to enjoy that. So Marshall, what are the steps? What are the steps so I can hear the Holy Spirit? What are those steps? First of all, which is a tough one for me, but you guys are much holier than me probably. Pause and be quiet. Pause and be quiet. Man, the busyness of this world can just rob us from hearing the Holy Spirit. Psalms 37, 7, be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 30, 15, in quietness and confidence will be your strength. Whoa. Turn off the TV. Shut off the Instagram. Spend time with God. The other thing to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit, ask, humbly ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Humbly ask Him. Sometimes I'm like too full of myself to like be flat on my face and say, man, I need you on this one, God. Psalms 25.9 says He guides the humble in the right and teaches them his way. 27.11 says, Teach me, O Lord, what you want me to do and lead me down the right path. The third way is be willing to do what he says to you. If you want to be led, it starts with the longing and the praying, but I got to do what God tells me to do. Here's the truth. Many people don't want God to lead them. They want to be their own boss. But John 7, 17 tells us, whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it will know what I teach comes from God. You've got to be willing to do that. Sometimes the hardest place to have humility is in a marriage when you're mad at each other. Sometimes the hardest time, and I know you guys were probably much better at raising teenagers than I was, is when you got a teenage daughter in your face telling you that you're stupid or they hate you, and you're going like, okay, dear Jesus. Holy Spirit, come over. Don't let me react on this one. Teach me love and logic in a way that I can plant a seed in, in my child so they understand. The other part of this is we have to look to God's word. Have to look to God's word. Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach whatever is true and make you realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us what to do right. In the Greek, it says it's good for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. So once in a while, that Holy Spirit, when I'm in the Word, just takes me right to the woodshed. When I look at people with an opinion that I shouldn't look at them or self-judgment or somehow look down at somebody. Most of God's will is already re revealed. When we read His Word, He speaks. When you open the Bible, he opens his mouth. When you close the Bible, 
you're going to have a rough time hearing. We will discover by studying the Word of God, voice and verse tend to run right together. But God expects me to obey His Word before He shows me. Sometimes if I learn to obey, He even shows me more specific things. When we act on God's revealed will, we start to understand even deeper things. Deeper things. We have a relationship with him, gets closer with the Almighty God who has the best intentions for each of us. But God never, never contradicts this. That's where cults and confusion get started. Psalms 119. 133 says, guide my steps by your word, so I will not be overcome by any evil. When I see Christians struggle with darkness in this world, and they get fearful, my first question for them, how much time have you spent in the word? Because then your Holy Spirit is fortified, and you fear not. Strong and courageous, of course, one of the most mentioned phrases in the Bible, but I'm not going to remember that unless I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. Expect his guidance in faith. One of my favorites, James 1, 5 through 6, if you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you, for he's always ready to give you bountiful supply of wisdom to all that ask him, but be sure that you really expect him to tell you. If you don't ask him, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answer. Guidance is only as good, counseling is only as good as the person who's given it. Man, I can't think of anyone better than that. So if, if this guidance that I'm seeking from God, if this counseling I'm seeking from God, and if I'm going to trust it, if I'm going to really trust the Holy Spirit's guidance, that's when I can do amazing things for his will, for your future, for the future of this church. You can always trust God's guidance, but you've got to believe in it. God helps when we trust him. And he's promised that he's going to help each one of us here. And the last one, which again, you guys probably have this one wired much better than me, is you've got to wait for God's response. Job 33, 14, God does not sp does speak sometimes one way and sometimes another, even through people who don't understand it. I don't know about you, I've had people speak in my life in the most unusual ways and come to me and I'm going like, man, i got to wait for his response. So the amazing thing is we get ready to take communion today is that Holy Spirit, as we say, do this in remembrance of me, take this cup in there, it's there. It's there. Those nudges, the time. So when we take that, I, I'm going to ask you to hold each element as we take it together. But before we do, I did a little something different. So we can celebrate communion together in the power of God and the Holy Spirit. But here's my phrase. When I say, and Joy said, I need you to say, we praise you, Lord. Got it? You sure? Let's try it. And Joy said. 
That was weak. And Joy said. All right. Listen to God's word. This is the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are before all things, and all things are held together. Great are you, Lord, and abundant in your power. Your understanding is beyond measure, and Joy said. You never change. You are sufficient by your word. The heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of your mouth. There is no other. You have made it known, the end from the beginning. What is still your to come, and your purpose will stand, and Joy said. Lord, were we can go from your spirit where can we flee from your presence if we ascend to heaven you are there if we dwell in the remote part of the sea even there your hand will lead us and your right hand will lay hold of us and joy said lord the depth of your riches both in wisdom and knowledge are beyond our grasp unsearchable are your judgments unfathomable are your ways you are faithful unchanging and true you are faithful in keeping your covenant of love Thousands of generations, we are faithless, but you remain faithful, and Joy said. You are God, you're infinitely good, unchanging in your kindness and full of goodwill. We taste and see uh, you are good, you are the rock, you are perfect, all of your ways are just, you are faithful without injustice, you're righteous and, and is upright, you have mercy when we need mercy, you have compassion when we need compassion, and Joy said. You're infinitely inclined to spare the guilty. You are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. You're infinite, unchanging in your love. You are love. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord, O oh God Almighty. Your radiance is like sunlight. Your rays flashing from your hand. Your throne is ever and ever. You are everlasting and mighty. You manifest in the flesh. You are God the Savior, Emmanuel manifested in the flesh you are god our savior emmanuel the first and the last alpha and omega a name above all names the lamb the branch the bread of life and joy said so now we are going to pray together as your prodigal lord as your worshiper as your subject as your servant as a beggar as a debtor we pray because, as pray, we need your hand leading and protect us. We pray together in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's our God. As we take communion, if you could just hold the elements together, please. <coughs> 